Hello, I'm Zev Neuwirth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and inspiration in their daily efforts to advance patient-centered, customer-oriented, value-based healthcare. Folks, you are listening to the first and only podcast I know about that is physician-hosted and dedicated to advancing value-based healthcare. Our focus today will be on the medical care of children and specifically about improving the connection between the school health system and the pediatrician's office. This has significant implications for the Medicaid program in terms of costs and outcomes, but even more importantly than that, it has a huge impact on the children themselves and their parents. We are very, very fortunate to have a guest on the show today, uh, Heskey Kutcher. Heskey is an entrepreneur who is uh, the CEO of CareDocs, a company that has developed and deploys an electronic medical record type system that is embedded in school systems and which connects the school nurse and the school health system directly to the pediatrician's office, as well as to the parents. I met uh, Heskey a few months ago. And what really gripped me about who he is and what he's doing is his particular focus on making sure that uh, all children have access to their pediatricians. Uh, I'm going to let him tell his story and what he's doing. Uh, In terms of background, uh, again, Heskey is an entrepreneur. He's a background in marketing and in business development. He has held uh, previous positions as CEO and board chairman. He's uh, energetic. He's enthusiastic. He's a mission-driven professional. Heskey, I really want to welcome you to the show. Um, before we jump in, is there something about your professional background or your background you'd like to share with the audience that would give them a little bit more insight, or do you want to just jump into the topic today? Well, I think most importantly, I'm a father of three kids. That's, uh, that's always something that I remind myself every day, and it's... Um, also connects me to our mission even more. Uh, That may be the single most important aspect of this. Uh, I have children too, and so I I think I understand what you're talking about. So, um, Heskey, what what, uh, is the problem here? What, you know, you've, you've done a lot of things. You have a very, very broad background outside of healthcare, and uh, you jumped into healthcare uh, in this way to solve a problem. So what did you see as the fundamental need out there, the fundamental problem? Do you have a, you know, do you have sh- stories you could even share about it in addition to some of the, you know, higher level, uh, overview of it? Um, sure. Generally speaking, um, so, so like most things in life, um, it's not so much inspiration, but perspiration. And Caradox and where we arrived to today has been very iterative. It's not, it wasn't like I woke up one day and I figured out this business model. Um, but what I did understand very clearly was there was a huge challenge of um, getting people to interact with their health information and become their own stewards. And one of the early aha moments ahead was that if you want to educate the market, you want to start actually with folks who are caregivers because people tend to do a very good, a much better job than for themselves, for, for others than they do for themselves. And a case in point, actually, I'll tell you a story about the ignorance of me as a dad. It won't make me look very good, but I think it would accentuate the, the point that I'm trying to make. Um, my daughter was two years old and she wakes up on Christmas day of all days with a rash all over her body. Now my son at that point was just a few weeks old and my wife uh, looks at it and says, wow, we got to have that checked. So I go online and I go to some doctor site and I ask a bunch of doctors, what do you guys think it is? And lo and behold, of course, they could tell me, we, we think it's hives. Sounds like hives. So I go to my wife and say, well, why would we go to the doctor on Christmas Day? We're not going to see a regular doctor. God knows who we're going to see on Christmas. 
It's likely hives. That's what all the doctors are telling me. She said, that's very cute that you asked some physicians um, online. But I think you should have a check by our health group. So I go, reluctantly so, and um, we see a physician. And that physician um, uh, looks at me and, and looks at my daughter and he, say, and he asks me, is your daughter taking any medication? Mm. And I said, not that I'm aware of. I'm the dad, what do I know? And I don't think I'm the most disengaged dad on earth, by the way. I, I used to think I'm quite involved. And then he said, you know, I'm looking now and it seems like you went, came to see a physician is it possible that she got some antibiotics a few days ago? And I said, oh my, she did. And I said, my sense is that she has a penicillin allergy. And what was so interesting about it, had I not had a patient portal and had, had been able to take a look, how would I know? And, and how would that physician know? And if I had to think about how many times these cases happen over and over again, that there's no care coordination going on, there's no sharing of information that's causing so much harm. It be became incredibly apparent to me that um, there's a better way of doing this. And um, so that's, that was very early on in the genesis of CareDocs that really led me to understand and believe that we're onto something. Of course, then came the whole school angle where we were able to... Um, add a, a class of information that's pretty much unavailable in any other format, which is real-time, uh, real-time how you're doing today type information, which is incredibly important for chronic disease kids. But we're digressing. But you asked for a specific story. I remember that story very well because that really helped me understand what we're trying to do in a very personal way. Well, it, it, it clearly uh, underscores the uh, incredible importance of, uh, of having access and, uh, you know, immediate access to pediatric care, um, especially for, you know, in this case, what was an acute situation, but the same could be said for chronic problems such as asthma, exacerbates or, or myriad other, uh, you know, conditions uh, that would require uh, care like that. Otherwise, you, you would have been lost as a parent. And, uh, and again, uh, you know, it just speaks to, to how wonderful it is to have great pediatricians and to have access to them in that way. Now, so, so that that's you as a parent. And so, you know, it's interesting, that story is, is very typical of other entrepreneurs who dive into something that they may not have had a background in, uh, otherwise, but it really, you, you, you get the need, you understand the importance of, of a child and their parent, uh, having the ability to access care when and where they need it. And, uh, so it, it, it really drove home to you the importance of this. How did you, how did you though make that shift to, to seeing this as a problem or a need for uh, other children uh, or, or just, you know, children in general in, in this country? And, and how did you make the connection to, um, I mean, what, what was the, I mean, how did you make that leap to, to create something that was connected to school? What was the... I'll share. The, a, oh, it's yeah. very, it's a, that's actually a very, that was very data-driven. Um, we were looking at the time of ways of getting parents to interact with their own children's health information. And of course, the, the, when we were looking on Google search terms that was driving people to what was then a, a, a direct-to-consumer product, by far, the biggest driver was vaccinations. And as we looked at the volume of searches, I'm not sure you could do that today, but at that point in Google, you could actually see the volume of searches per month the volume of searches peaked during the summer, starting in May-ish, June, all the way through um, late August. And of course, the driver of that was school forms and camp forms. And what, was, what, what became very apparent is that 
the school is, which, by the way, the public school system has been uh, likely the most successful public health initiative this country has undertaken in, in the recent history with getting this kids vaccinated. And, but if, if you want your child to attend the school, you're going to have to provide up-to-date health information to the school. And if you're taking medication, if your child has any condition, you're going to have to provide proof of that. And that in turn makes the parents want to find all the information they have because the last thing anyone wants to do is go to the doctor again. And so that's when access to, we saw that that was, was what was driving access to information needs. As we started looking in the school space, we understood that the leadership of the school system <clears throat> very much viewed themselves as the stewards of, of these children during the day. And they lacked the systems to really understand what was going on and when, and, and am I giving the right care to the right child? And it's actually was kind of scary for them. And we understood this inherently by just listening to, to, to the same thing over and over again. When, especially when you consider there are um, many school districts, primarily the large urban ones, that have lots of kids with poverty, they are the primary care for many of the children. They don't see any other health system. They are the main health system. Which to us, out of you know, doing the basics of being an entrepreneur, which is listening to what the market needs, is how do we help these schools do a better job managing, organizing um, health information, and then how do we help them take better care of those children since they're responsible for them most of the waking hours for the, of these kids? So, so Eski, I, I just this this is really significant reframe of uh, at least my understanding of the school system, and and I would assume others uh, who are listening. So most of us think of the school system as literally that, a system, a public system of education or a private system of, of education, as the case may be. But as you're pointing out, during the daytime, we, we drop our kids off there and they spend, you know, most of the day there. And, and you're right. The school is the steward of care for this child, not just their education, but they they get fed at school. And, of course, uh, you know, in terms of healthcare, as you're pointing out, it may be one of the primary, if not the primary uh, source of healthcare. So you've reframed the school and the, and the school system, particularly the public school system, as, as a public health system for children, which I, I think is, is a very, very um, important point here. And then your next point is that, that it's it, understanding it in that way and understanding that responsibility, um, the, the, the observation that you're saying is that, you know, how, or the question you're raising is how well equipped uh, are, are the school systems? And, and I know for myself as a parent, uh, you know, we're fortunate our school system, you know, asks us questions. Uh, you're right, there's there's camp and then there's school uh, health forms and physicals and that data has to get in there somehow and organized. And so say a little bit more about the the um, inadequacy or the challenge that systems have and, and what what um, need or hole are you are you filling or, 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 or solution are you, are, are you creating for for what need? Actually, what's interesting, there's some needs, you know, if you look at our business, the CareDocs business, we're really a four-sided marketplace between parents, providers, schools, and payers. Every single one of them has very distinct needs. I'll give you one example. Um, there was a New York Times columnist who was the tech columnist, uh, and his name eludes me at this point, but he was interviewed very recently. And one of my investors from First Run Capital, Howard Morgan, sent me an email saying, look at the end of the interview. And because he was asked, what could he invent that would really make his life much easier? And he said, if I could stop filling out all these health forms for camps and schools, that would be a trillion dollar business. His quote. So for whatever reason, there is a strong visceral dislike of parents to fill out these health forms. And 
so that's just an interesting um, uh, part of life, which uh, you you really elicit emotion when you talk to parents about filling out these health forms. Well, well, Heske, let me let me just jump in there because I, I loved what you just said before the you know this this picture of the parents, the school, the providers, and the payers. How how well organized is that? Is that a is that a seamless system? Uh, I know this is a leading question, but but you know, or is it is it is it a fragmented system? Say say a little bit about that. Well, it's it's a non-existent mm-hmm. system due to the fragmentation of it, and um, and so what Caradox has taken upon itself is to create is to organize that world and create scale where it didn't exist since. You know, the, part of the reason is for providers to go and reach out to all these disparate schools is just an impossibility. They're not built for it. Parents, providers, it's just too much. It's also, by the way, a different language. It's not... The parents have one set of language. The schools have one set of language. Schools have their own need. Their need is, you know, if you look especially at urban school districts, if you look at their uh, strategic plan, whole child gets a very large part of that strategic plan. It's usually top one, two, or three. Which, which, and what whole child means, we need to take care not just of the children's academic needs, but the social, emotional, and health needs. Mm-hmm. And that's a sea of change of how the school system used to view itself. But the reason for that is, if you want children to achieve, there is a school of thought out there, and I think that's another most prevalent school of thought is that in order to achieve, you need to be able to take care of parts of every single part, you know, uh, of that child's life. If a child is hungry, they can't study. Mm-hmm. They're sick, they can't study. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the, the challenge, of course, is budget. Where, where does money come from? Where, 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 how do you get schools to pay for all this? I mean, many schools don't even have a school nurse in their own, um, in every building. And that's part of what Kiradox was trying to do is saying, look, there's all these resources being spent to take care of these children. And the, a lot of the money isn't reaching the, 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 the purpose of what the money was being budgeted for. What if we could do a better job by getting the stakeholders together mm-hmm. and uh, thus really helping everyone achieve their own desperate goals? You know, in a you know, so in a parent's case, it could be meeting his score. In a in a parent's case, it's being able to provide the right care for my child without leaving my my hourly wage job and my lack of car, which would make which would make it even more difficult for me to find a a a, a provider that takes my Medicaid plan. So, so those are some of the things. Yeah. Could could you? Paint a little picture of so in, in you're, you're I think you're right the the system is is fragmented or maybe even non-existent in terms of connecting to the the parents to the school to the provider to the payer. Uh, if a child gets sick, there's a call uh, or there's a problem. There's a call to the parent uh, t- having to to take time off from work, a significant amount of time. Uh, trying to get an appointment, uh, which we know is challenging to a pediatrician, uh, and and so in some sense it's the it's the parent uh, with great uh, ex- expense and, and 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 resource that has to be the connector, uh, and and if they can, uh, if they can, because many can't, uh, they don't they don't have the luxury of being able to take off from work or leave work without it it, it threatening their livelihood, and so. Uh, so you've you've created a a connector, a system that actually creates a system for pediatric care. Uh, could you say, could you could you describe what Care Docs the system is, what it looks like, so the listeners can understand the solution you've created? And and then the the obvious question for me as as someone who's on the provider side, and I think for those who are listening, the question would be, well, why couldn't we do this ourselves? Why couldn't uh, you know, a large integrated delivery network or, or pediatrician's office do this? Or, you know, conversely, why couldn't a school system do this? And I, I think I understand, uh, you know, why, but I, I, before we get there, let's 
let's uh, just back up and, and, and really share what this care doc system looks like and, and what it does and, and how it's, it, it, it actually creates a, sure. a connection. So let, let me, um, I'll give a, a, a quick description of CareDox, but you, you, a way to view CareDox is a platform and it's a, you know, it's based on, uh, on, uh, the cloud and it's a, it's a digital health platform. And, and we work across three primary layers, layer number one. And that's, I, I suppose, if you look at it as the three layers of, of the stack, um, you have the school software that has a number of elements to it. It has a electronic medical record system that's built from scratch for the purposes of the school. Everything from screenings to um, medication dispensing, including inventory management. Schools dispense a lot of medication on a regular basis, behavior medications typically. Um, it has a... Um, chronic disease modules, since so much time of a nurse is to take care of an asthmatic, a diabetic, how do you keep meticulous records? Because you expect it to. And then there is a parent portal, a parent portal where parents can fill out all their health forms. Parents can get notified every time a child comes to the health office. And we use that as also an enabler to provide additional services for that child. And I'll get to that in just a second. I suppose a layer on top of that, you have the health information management layer. We get um, proprietary and unique in, uh, data out of our EMR, which is real-time disease-specific. How is the child doing right now? Which has a real important clinical um, ramifications. As, as an example, with asthma, if you have a child that, that comes in short of breath twice in one week, uh, that typically means you need to get them to a clinician right away or otherwise it's going to end up in the emergency room. Not a good outcome for anybody. But we don't just rely on the information that we get from our own system. We also get, um, we get information from immunization registries. We connect with the HRs and we connect with the school systems information, which oftentimes is, is, has the most up-to-date way of reaching the parents who are the caregivers, which is, uh, especially in Medicaid, a big challenge. So you put all that together, you've got a very unique data layer, which then enables us to provide the right care. So we enable services to come in into the school. And we, we work across two continuums. One is a preventative continuum, which is providing preventative services, such as vaccines or well visits, to those who need them, those who are hard to reach. So oftentimes closing gaps in care is a really important part of what primary physicians can do, but it's it's very hard to get you adolescents as an example to see a physician on a regular basis. And so of course the big innovation here is don't expect the patient to come to you. Why don't you go to the patient? And and that creates a complete new delivery model, one that has no real estate one that has no full-time employees actually, and that, that you know who's needing them up front. It's a very different uh, um, type of delivery. But then the second part of what we do is is chronic disease management. And the fact that we can know how well folks are doing in real time allows us to enable um, alerts and communications between parents uh, the, the child, the school nurse, and the provider that were previously un, um, uh, not possible. And those will create dramatic results in the health of the child and in, 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 in the management of the chronic disease. You know, I really, I, I love the idea of go, you know, go to where the patient is. It, it, what you're doing reminds me of, um, uh, a sort of like Kaiser Permanente's model or on-site clinic models. It's people spend so much of their time at work, and in this case, kids spend so much of their time at at school. And the the notion that hey, why don't we actually deliver care where they are? And of course, the 
um, that whole industry focused on on uh, employer on-site clinics and and bringing medical care closer to the work site for the obvious reasons people don't have to leave uh, take off time uh, it's more convenient you're more likely to to utilize the, the closer it is to work and here you're you're bringing health care a lot closer to where the kids are and uh, so it's it's um, it's Really, it's a digital uh, phenomenon, but it's it's really uh, it's a convenience issue and it's an access issue in a way that I think really breaks the mold. So, so you've got this platform. Essentially, what I understand is it's an electronic medical record that the the school system would use, um, as you pointed out, with with various modules and and there's a parent portal so the parents can access it. You've got chronic disease modules and and a dispensing module, and essentially it's an electronic medical record which uh, of course has the ability to analyze uh, the child's health behaviors and health situation and has alerts. And then it connects to the provider. And how, how would, could you say a little bit more about how, the, how, the, how a provider, whether it's a, it's a small pediatric practice or a multi-specialty group or a large integrated delivery network, what would be that connection between the the, uh, the 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 child, the the school health nurse, and and the pediatrician's office. The, the holy grail, obviously, is to be within workflow, um, and and um, I think in the case where you have staff who can make that happen, we can insert alerts, and and there's all sorts of interesting learnings when you create alerts. For example, putting an alert in a patient's profile is actually unhelpful. What you want to do is put the alert outside of somewhere so they don't have to wait for the child to come in to see them so they could proactively do something. But there's, but there's all sorts of ways to integrate within physician's workflow. Uh, no matter what EHR you use, there's just different methodologies and different um, uh, protocols, whether it's FHIR, whether it's HL7. Um, those are all different tools that you, we can use in order to accomplish what I just shared with you. But it's even more basic than that. If you can alert a school nurse that based on the risk profile of this child, she should quickly alert um, the physician, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a fax, that's way more than what is happening right now. And, um, so those are some of the ways we, 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 we create programming around better coordination between the caregivers or alerting the parents, call your physician right now. And things like that, that are not taking place, not because um, the, the, the staff doesn't want it to take place, but it's often just missed mm-hmm. because it's not within workflow. And if someone could alert the stakeholders, this needs to happen right now based on certain rules, then that has a significant impact. You asked also previously, why can't schools do it or why can't uh, pairs of providers do it? Um, the question is, do what? So first of all, it's uh, the basis of a platform is software. Um, so these stakeholders, we had to create the software. It doesn't exist because mm-hmm. The schools is a different has different needs than a uh, integrated delivery network system, right? So you we had to create a system from scratch that that can serve the needs of the school and the parents, and can integrate with disparate types of data silos. That was what the software was built to do. Now, as far as providing the care, I think there are times the providers will actually be the ones providing the care using us more like a supply chain. Uh, however, the challenge is uh, schools are not set up to deal with multiple partners. And so part of the Caradox um, innovation is creating a centralized place to interface between the health system and the school system. If you could imagine if, if, um, a school system had to deal with five pairs who all want to send their own people into the school to provide preventative services. It would never happen. Mm-hmm. They just not set up for it. So, so you are you've created the potential for a single system 
that uh, all schools could access and all providers could access and all parents could access and for and and push it further even all payers could I, I think that the challenge would be and i've spent much of my career in large integrated delivery networks where we have sophisticated systems electronic medical record systems and even the ability to create outreach whether it's a virtual visit uh, to schools and whatnot and we're we're involved in that right now and as are others across the country the challenge, I think, would be uh, how many schools would we have to connect to and imagining all other providers connecting to those same schools. So an individual school could have hundreds of uh, pediatricians trying to interface with them with uh, with dozens, if not hundreds of different systems. And uh, and the same would be the other way around, that a provider uh, would would need to be open to um, hundreds, if not thousands, of of uh, of uh, at least hundreds of of, of school systems with uh, different electronic uh, portals, and so I, I think what's elegant about your solution um, is is this opportunity to create one platform that folks could plug into. What does that is that in my in my understanding? That it's a hundred. It's a hundred percent right, yeah. but but it's even bigger than that. Let's just take telemedicine as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm aware of quite a few telemedicine initiatives happening around the country. Part of the biggest challenges that I'm hearing from these telemedicine providers are that they can't, parents don't know about it, and they're not getting parents to sign up for it. And part of the reason is the telemedicine system is completely disconnected from the schools and the parents. No one's really managing the entire supply chain. And therefore, it's falling flat in in those ways. And so you really need someone who understands the, all the different buttons we can push to make things happen. And, um, and, and uh, again, it's the providers and the pairs aren't set up for it, nor are the schools set up to deal with all the various types of organizations wanting to work with them. Asky, what, what are you most proud of? What, 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 what has your system to date? And first of all, how many school systems are you in right now? And, and what have you, what has CareDocs accomplished in terms of serving kids and parents to date? <clears throat> so we, we, in a very short time frame, just uh, three years or so, have created now relationships with close to 4,000 schools around the country, we'll be reaching 5% of the market this year, wow. of the school market. And I, I think we can get to 20% in the next couple of years. What I'm proud of most is, first of all, I'm seeing already, we, we are seeing schools constantly telling us that the nurses have more time to spend with their children. They're better informed about what their needs are. But what has really happened is we're seeing large provider systems thinking, my God, there is a better way of doing things, which we never thought could actually happen. And we're seeing several provider systems around the country wanting to understand the vision faster than we expected it. And we're seeing pairs embracing this approach as a far better way for them to reach their membership and control their cost. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect to see it happen this quickly, bluntly. Uh, I know in healthcare, they train you to think that things will take longer. In our case, it's ha- actually happened faster than we ever imagined. Mm-hmm. What um, you had mentioned to me, what, what you, you mentioned a second ago, something about costs and, and reducing costs. And so I'm interested in how, in speaking to healthcare leaders, whether uh, if, if there are listeners on who are either in large systems, um, or, or quite honestly, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the Medicaid state systems and programs, uh, uh, you know, managed Medicaid programs. Why would a, a healthcare leader, uh, you know, what outcomes, uh, and what convenience, what, uh, uh, patient, uh, service, how is this, what, what, what's, what do you say to someone who might be interested in this in terms what's of what's the ROI? Yeah, exactly. Why should we care? Thanks. Um, so I would say um, on two sides. Number one, on compliance, uh, meeting the standards set by the NFQA, um, 
I think we're by far uh, a much more cost-effective way of reaching the membership and engaging with them to improve HEDIS measures. Um, so that's a very clear ROI. The second part of the ROI is there's a reason why preventative medicine is so important because it prevents costs down the road. So we're a much better way of getting prevention to happen in mass uh, at scale. And then the third reason is if you look at, um, if you know, bluntly, our job is to reduce emer emergency room visits and, and, and hospital visits and physician visits uh, for folks who care about value-based and for folks who care about um, containing costs like the payers. Uh, we believe, we, we've seen it, that when you engage parents in coordination with the providers and the, the school providers, magic can happen. And there's been studies out there that have shown uh, in different types of attempts, but that we now incorporate into our system, you could see a reduction of 50% plus of emergency room visits by chronic disease kids. Uh, if you look at the U.S. economy alone, there was tens of billions of dollars spent by children who unnecessarily so visited an emergency room. And... That's the ROI we expect to be judged. Um, this is not a feel-good, let's help the kids and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Well, we love the fact that that's what we do. We wake up every morning enjoying that this is the, the end result of what we do. But I, that won't fly when I'm asking for budgets from uh, you know, heads of uh, uh, quality in, in Medicaid plans or uh, population health organizations in, within provider networks. Uh, it needs to have a direct ROI, and those are the, the, the ROI that we typically talk about. Have you approached, have you spoken to Medicaid plans, uh, managed care plans, or, or even at the federal level? Because it seems to me, look, Medicaid is the single largest health insurer for children nationwide, over 30 million kids. Uh, children in the United States are, are uh, use Medicaid, uh, or their parents use Medicaid as, as the insurer for the kids. Um, depending on the state, right, anywhere between 25 to 45% of children are in our uh, health care is, is, is paid by Medicaid. So, so it's a tremendous percentage of kids are on Medicaid state by state, county by county. And, and it is, again, the single largest insurer of children. Um, I, you know, I, I would think that this would be, you, you must have had conversations with them demonstrating the ROI, talking about the the value proposition here in terms of population health. What, what, um, what, what wind do you find in your sales? Because you said a moment ago that that it's moving faster than you thought. So I'm interested in what's what winds are at your back, and also what kind of winds uh, headwinds have you encountered? What kinds of challenges um, and, and and arguments uh, or just bumps in the road? So we're in the early stages, despite being in the early stages. Um, we have some of the largest payers in the country as our partners, United Health, Centene, Molina. Um, these are all folks we work with on a daily basis. So, um, and, and we've been asked by some of their, you know, managed care is state by state. And we're now seeing, despite just us starting our initiatives in Florida, uh, Texas, we're now being asked to move into other states as well. Um, and so, you know, so we're, we're seeing a tremendous amount of success because these plans all want to work with us. Um, as far as challenges, I think it's, it's too early to tell. We just started this, um, some of these programs. Uh, I think, um, you know, they're just like any new service or any new product, any technology, I think there's always a some sort of skepticism, healthy skepticism, as you would expect. So I think our challenge is just to execute on what we say we will do. Uh, but I can't point to any specific challenges. I think the uh, I'm sure we will learn some things as we as we go along. But uh, right now, we're seeing very very uh, strong acceptance in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. 
You know, you, you mentioned to me uh, something in a previous conversation about the work that you're doing in terms of uh, vaccinations. And, uh, you know, I just wonder if you could share that with our listeners in terms of what CareDocs is already engaged in, in terms of, of your scope and breadth in that regard across the yes. country. So we had a partner. Um, we have a partner in Florida who we work hand in hand in. And um, with this partner, uh, we have become the largest vaccinator in the state of Florida for kids. We did, we did almost uh, 200,000 vaccines last year in Florida. Uh, and we're doing now in Texas as well. And we're growing in Texas. And we anticipate that we're going to take this very successful program and replicate it in every single state across the U.S. And, um, and we'll have different partners in different states to um, make sure that we provide. I, I imagine within the state we'll have multiple partners as well. Since, uh, you know, health, much like education, is a local, micro-local business. Um, but it's a very scalable, successful way to reach out to a community and make sure that the community gets, or specifically the kids get vaccinated. It has impact on, on the entire community's health. So that's something we're incredibly proud of. Um, it's probably not the largest business um, that we do, but it's one that we're incredibly important and we're incredibly proud of. Yeah, no, I, that was a significant fact when you shared it with me. Uh, and it is important, um, as we're seeing, as uh, there have been gaps in vaccinations, uh, there have been outbreaks and so of infectious diseases that, uh, you know, we thought we had a handle on. So uh, I, I think this this particular part of your service, although it may not be the biggest part of what your your value proposition is, I think it's it's it is from a public health perspective, critically important. So. So I just want to return to sort of understanding the picture of how this would prevent uh, emergency room visits and uh, hospitalizations and from a, you know, a child and parents perspective, exacerbations of, of, of uh, chronic uh, disease. And, and, and how would it help? I mean, if, if you were up and running, okay, and, you know, it sounds like you're, you could be at the tipping point that. 20% point in, in two or three years, which um, most recognizes as, as a sort of tipping point um, for expansion and, 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 and spread. If, if and when that happens, what would it look like? How would the life of a parent, the life of a provider, uh, the life of a child from a healthcare perspective, could you, do you have a, a, a number of just very, very short sketches or vignettes of how this would be better uh, this connection, this platform that you set up between the parent and the provider and the school and the payer? Um, of course. I mean, the, the, the most important part is that so much information that falls through the cracks would not be falling through the cracks. In other words, if a child came in uh, for ex twice in one week, oftentimes the parents was, wasn't aware or the school nurse didn't remember because she has 50 kids she sees a day that she's now seeing this child the second time in a week. And therefore, we would now start a chain of events that would take place to make sure that maybe this child needs a different medication, maybe this child needs... Um, but we would know for sure that the child is now at a big risk of heading towards the hospital. So you start a chain of interventions. And it may have different shapes and flavors to them. Mm. It may be a telemedicine intervention, maybe a variety of things. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is to not let this, these things fall through the cracks like they do today. And, and when you, when right now, in most cases, in 99% of cases, no one takes action. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what we will ensure that will happen is that Parents know, student knows, uh, school knows, and even provider knows. And to make sure that every single person in the value chain knows what are the right interventions that are needed to take place. And when that happens, 
it doesn't mean we'll reduce 100% of them, but if we could do more than half, you'll have more children staying in school and achieving, and it will save money for the health ecosystem, and it will make the parents' life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's kind of how uh, we view this, um, this f- not too distant future, by the way. Yeah. You know, so, so, so two things. One is, um, and, and I think these are, I didn't understand this before, but it sounds to me that there's a, there's an analytics component to this, which I actually didn't understand before in terms of assessing risk and then creating some sort of uh, pathway or intervention. Uh, so something worse doesn't happen. And, you know, so it's analysis and, and alerts that currently are not built into any, as far as I know, any school system uh, you know, health, uh, uh, health care platform. Uh, and I'm not even sure that they're in, in, in provider side, electronic medical records on the pediatric side and the way you describe. So, so I just want to check to see, is that, is that what you're saying you have or, or you're, you're going to build? Well, partially we have it, partially we will build it. And I mean, we, we, we now, um, we brought in a data, data science folks. So we, in order to precisely create uh, a platform that can do this. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's it, it, part of the beauty of having an electronic system is that it's an electronic system mm-hmm. and then use all this information we have and make it intelligent and make it actionable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very important part of what the CureDocs that that is a big part of the reason why a a digital platform needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so it seems to me that part of it would also you'd you'd want the parents, you know, if, if an exacerbation or something happened at home and didn't happen at school, where the school nurse put it in to the data uh, to the platform, electronic platform, you want the parents to be accessing it as well. And is that is that do you envision that as part of what would be happening? It's already happening today. Really? Yeah. I mean, parents are act, parents know when a child gets medication, when they came to see the health office, you could, they could see charts of their uh, glucose level and all sorts of things already in the system. Uh, and, uh, we expect parents to be more and more and more engaged. Interesting. And, and, you know, one of the challenges in healthcare today is, uh, what, what we call interoperability, right? Interoperability. So the, the idea that, you know, there's a, uh, you know, now you have a, a well, in, in this, in this uh, challenge, we have multiple providers, each with their own uh, systems that don't communicate well or, 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 or at, if at all. And so now you've introduced an, a new system. And, and if your vision uh, comes through it, it uh, and there's just one system across uh, one platform uh, across all school systems. Obviously, that would be a a, uh, a a nice solution to having multiple systems that different schools use. But still, your system will have to interface with the electronic medical records uh, of of multiple providers. So, as a provider, um, you know you have a parent who's going to be inputting into to your system through the school. And you also have electronic medical record at the at the uh, provider side, whether it's a it's a pediatrician's office or a large integrated delivery network. How how would a provider uh, access your um, system? How how would you how would your system communicate with providers and let them know? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier on in the conversation, where I expect it to take have many flavors depending on the system. Uh, we're completing now a fire integration with uh, uh, eClinical Works, as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done many, many HL7 types of integrations. I think it's it's more the technical side of it um, is um, uh, is a part of it, but the more important part of it is what is the workflow of that specific systems to make sure that the information that we provide is provided in the right place. I, I think I gave the example before that if a child needs to see the emergency room, putting it in their health profile is actually unhelpful because no one's going to see it until they come in to see the health system. So th- those are the types of things that we need to think about. I'm less concerned, not that it's not important, but I, I think it, th- those are m- more solvable or easier, easier to solve 
the standards. Um, again, we're seeing some data exchange take place already, whether it's FHIR, whether it's HL7. Those are some of the standards that are already in place right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, but to me, that's just one part of the conversation. The other part of the conversation is understanding the workflow of the people involved to make sure that they are alerted within workflow. Mm -hmm. That to me is, is the bigger challenge than the technical one. Uh, not that any part of it is easy. Yeah. Now, I'll, I think once we do enough of these, uh, you know, and I imagine sometime next year, that would be that we will see a lot of patterns uh, emerge. Um, and, and what we expect is for those organizations that need this because there's an ROI for them, they could build towards our API at some point. So we're not, no one's there yet, but I expect that in the next 24 months, that will certainly be the case. If there's enough of an ROI there, then the, the, the you know, part of the challenges in interoperability was that the cost and the ROI weren't there because of the fee-for-service structure of most delivery networks. Once enough of them go towards value-based, then the ROI is there and ready for them to be able to uh, invest their resources to build towards it. That's my, that, that's my uh, guess on inter interoperability. But there's, uh, for every thousand people in interoperability, there's a thousand opinions. Right. I think you make a great point that, that it will become uh, easier and, and more important as the payment structure changes. And, and again, we're already there when it, you know, uh, we're moving towards value-based payments. Uh, the states are creating uh, and already have and are, are increasingly creating uh, Medicaid managed care programs. And again, hundred uh, percent, right. And, 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 you know, although the, the costs of a uh, medical cost of a child are, are far less than the medical costs of an adult, it's still such a significant percentage of, uh, of Medicaid enrollees, uh, are children that it, it, uh, it's going to make, uh, the, the financial arguments going to be some increasingly, I think is going to be the wind in your sails here as, as you, uh, as you talk to providers and school systems about this. You know, Husky, one other thing I, I, I just want to point out, which I appreciate, is that um, even in talking about some of the challenges of interoperability, uh, interoperability is the is the fact that you are not you are not disintermediating the provider, but in fact you are engaging the provider in this. And I think that's that's something that should be pointed out. Um, you're not trying to go around or uh, supplant the pediatrician or get in between the doctor-patient relationship. I think if anything, your 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 uh, program, your software program, and your system actually is uh, built and designed to strengthen that relationship and to make it better and more effective and more efficient and deliver better outcomes at a lower cost. And hundred yeah. percent. I mean, we 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 are not interested in becoming a provider. We will we will enable provide uh, health services to take place, but that's typically because in in a, in a in a case that, that there's no provider who will do it themselves. What, one other point that I want to touch on is um, in this whole desire to engage patients um, electronically. A big, big part of the problem is the privacy issue and, and getting HIPAA entities and non-HIPAA entities to exchange information is even more of a challenge. And part of the big innovation that CareDoc brings is we don't let parents on the platform unless the schools have uh, already um, authenticated who these people are. And therefore, you've got an, a, a single offline authenticator who is, makes, enables that, uh, um, that party to now integrate with multiple systems based on that one authentication point, which I think will speed things up as well. Hesky, we're going to, we're going to have to wrap up in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, you, there's no question from a provider side as, as uh, providers take on more risk uh, in terms of cost uh, in, in these contracts, these value-based contracts, that uh, the total cost of care is going to become increasingly important and 
and providers are going to be looking, uh, as well as payers, will be looking for solutions like this that can lower the cost of care and and improve uh, clinical outcomes of care. So, so I think you you know I think the again I think the environment and the context uh, are shifting in favor of solutions like the one you've created, and. Clearly, I think there's a need in the pediatric uh, realm, uh, pediatric clinical care for these types of solutions. So much has been uh, attention has been paid to the adult side uh, in, in large part because you see such a burden of disease, a greater burden of disease in the adults and greater costs. But there's still there's quite a gap in terms of pediatric care and still huge opportunities. Um, what I'm what I want to ask you now and sort of wrap up with is, do you. Well, I have two questions, but the first one is, do you see this as, from a social public health perspective, as helping helping the underserved? And I think uh, the underprivileged uh, sector of, of kids more than than those are privileged, or do you see this across the board? Because you did talk about, about kind of a social mission as well, um, and I've heard you say that before. So I'm just kind of wondering how, what's your thought about that? Well, there's obviously a greater need in the underserved environment. Uh, and the greater need not just by the families, but by the pairs as well. Uh, so that's, however, I think when it comes to chronic disease management in pediatrics, uh, it's impossible to do it without the active involvement of the all four parties. And so, and, and that does not, and then, and, Unfortunately, unfortunately, chronic disease does not discriminate based on uh, social economic uh, membership, but it's, it goes across the board. And so uh, I think specifically um, around um, uh, uh, chronic disease management, but also around prevention. I mean, how many kids in affluent areas get flu vaccines? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. So if you if we want to make a dent and if we want to in, make a dramatic increase, then I think the Caradox way is is a far far better way of doing it, and it's incredibly efficient for the underserved, but not just for the underserved. It's just that those are harder, more expensive to reach, mm-hmm. and has a bigger need. But it doesn't mean that the other parts don't have needs. So Eske, I just want to. Ask you, I just, you know, you, you are, uh, it's, it's always, uh, it's always fun to, to, to talk to you. You have a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm and, um, you, you, your sense of mission and of doing something that contributes, uh, to society just, it just pops out at me. You could have done a lot of things. I mean, you have a broad, broad background in business, um, and, um, and in tech and, you know, you could have devoted your energies and, and found a lot of the things. What, why this, why are you devoting your career, uh, and have been for a while? Uh, why are you so invested in this? What about this is gripping to you? I always knew and or understood that this could have a dramatic impact on healthcare. If we had better access to information and, um, so that was the drive early on. And, you know, what, uh, entrepreneurs, I think by nature, are stubborn and are never willing to give up. I actually had, I, I could never have envisioned where we would end up. But now that we are where we are, and you see the incredible, we could dr- have a dramatic impact on healthcare in this country. And to add to that, this is a large commercial opportunity. And so you look at, and it's so incredibly interesting. You get to work with such interesting folk. I can't think of something better I would do with my life. I mean, what could, what could top it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, you know, why wouldn't I do it? Mm-hmm. Now, any business, any, ask any small business owner. Starting a business is hard. So if you're going to do something hard, why not make it impactful? Well, you know, and I, I have to say, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I come from an adult medicine background and in, in internal medicine. 
And in speaking to my colleagues in pediatrics and uh, looking at public health colleagues who focus on pediatrics as well, uh, their concern is uh, that often there isn't enough attention paid uh, to, to, to the pediatric side of care. And, um, and clearly the benefits are, are huge. Uh, as you point out, uh, if kids are not feeling well, uh, they're, and, and, and if they're not fed well, and there's, there's literature to support this, uh, they're not going to be learning as well. And uh, it is not just an education problem. This is a, uh, a real issue in terms of our country's future to be able to, uh, to, to feed our children and to keep them healthy and to educate them so that they could become uh, productive contributors to society and live purposeful, meaningful, healthy, long lives. And so, um, you know, I, I again, I, I, I love hearing about what you're doing. I, I love why you're doing it. It is, as you say, so important and so impactful. And so I just want to say thank you and uh, wish you the best of luck. And, um, and uh, for the listeners, uh, as always, I, I want to thank our listeners because I know you all are the people that are doing healthcare daily or supporting directly the people who are delivering care to patients. And in this case, we're talking about pediatric patients. So thank you to the listeners. Thank you, Heskey. Uh, be healthy and be well. Thank you.